Welcome to the family with Doug Sprinthal. Al Sprinthal, I almost just said co-host Catherine Brandt. Oh, and co-host Catherine Brandt. Okay. Andy Brandt Bernard. Cassie Schrader. Cassie was in a daze over here. That was good. We'll be right back. Our special guest, Gary John Bishop. And I'm not making this up. Back to back. I love it. Stop doing that shit and self-sabotage and demand your life back. Gary John Bishop joins us right after this with the family. Uh, or after this commercial by Walzer. Walzer right. Walzer Automotive. Yeah. Automotive. And I was Walzer even giving you hand signs. Oh. I'm right here. I thought you were giving me the finger. <laughs> no, that's under the table. Well, uh, Tour de Cure is coming heart. up two weeks from Saturday, June 1st. Please join us. Uh, we, I, I keep getting emails from people going, is it okay if we join? It's like, yeah, that's why we were talking about it on the radio and on the website. Yeah. So, yes, please. We Anybody's welcome. <laughs> yes. Um, unless you hate uh, trying to cure diabetes, those people we don't want. But I don't know that there yes. are any. Alex and uh, um, that guy I'm that married guy, to. <laughs> Dan. Dan. Dave. <laughs> one guy. Alex and Dave is. are joining us. He has so a brother be named really Dave. Fun. When you sign up, you can uh, email me at dougatwalzer.com or go to the Tour de Cure Diabetes page and look for Team KQ Walzer. You'll have a lot of options when you sign up. Sign up for the 26-mile ride. 22. It's 22 miles. It's, it's, it. it's 22 it. miles now, but then now it, on the um, fine print it says now it's down to 21 because of construction, road construction. Okay. There you go. So, I'm just, so it's God, 22 So look forward to that five-mile rest. Yeah, there's no 26-mile right. anymore. But they do, they do have the vodka rest stop this year, right? Vodka rest. Yeah, bring me the vodka. It's gonna be awesome. It'll be kicked off I'm an airplane. Making it up. Drunk <laughs> trying bikers. To, trying to get more listeners to sign up. Perfect. That's nice. I oh, brought that's my a, mini bike. My mom and the kids could stand there with vodka. That'd be awesome. <laughs> There you that's go. what you can do with I them. Stand there for long. <laughs> yep. You, you just lay down, Grandma. So anyway, join us, please. It'll be big fun. Our third year, we raised a ton of money, and everybody had fun. So there it is. Walzer Automotive Group. Walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant. What's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt. Then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company, and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? At, uh, e either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. 
Yes, I did hit the post. Thank you very much. Gary John Bishop, our special guest. How you doing, Gary John Bishop? That's what I was going to say. Mm. Did we lose him? Hello, Gary John Bishop. Hey, how are you? There he is. There he is. Yay. Gary John Bishop, ladies and gentlemen. The book is called Stop Doing That Shit and Self-Sabotage and Demand Your Life Back. Gary, I cannot wait to talk to you about that stuff because I, I, I've i been in radio for 49 years, you know, off and on a little bit. I worked for Capitol Records for a while. But honest to God, I, I have never worked for the, a manager of any kind that has not said to me, why do you act the way you do? <laughs> so I'm shoulder to shoulder with you, Gary. <laughs> Uh, it's true. Uh, so I, you know, I, I, I have not learned my lesson yet, Gary. Though I, I, I've been on the, the KQ Morning Show, in Minneapolis, for 34 years. This show's been on now for what seven years, mm-hmm. something like that. Yep. So I, I'm never going to learn my lesson, Gary, unless I pay attention to you and your book, right? Well, well, clearly you're doing something right. So I wouldn't be kind of hard on yourself that way. However, um. We do things in our lives that we know we shouldn't do. And, and we also do things, we don't do things in our lives that we know that we should. And for me, it never made any sense. So that's what I'm really out to do in this book is to uncover the logic behind all of that so that it actually does make sense to you. Uh, see, that's what I need. I need to have something make sense to me. Gary, there are people, where, where, where's your accent from, Gary? You have a great accent. I'm, I'm a red... Yeah, I've been working on that a long time. I'm I'm originally from Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> Scottish. I recognize the Scottish really? accent when I hear it. Yes, we have a Scottish woman on the show, Kat. <laughs> and actually, the family's part Scots as well. So, um, I thought a lot it was of, Groundskeeper Willie. Yeah, Groundskeeper <laughs> Willie is Scottish. He was Scotsman. Yeah, so that's good. I love that, Gary. I love Gary. Gary, you're my, my new favorite person. I spent a lot of time on the Ayrshire Coast, Gary. I love that that spot. What a joint. It's wonderful. Oh, oh you did? Yeah, I, I'm from Glasgow. I never liked the Ayrshire. The people are weird. Then. But that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Not a Gervan. You a good time. You stay out of Gervan. Oh, that's good. I, I understand that completely. So, why do you act the way you do? Do you ever feel like you get stuck in destructive cycles that hold you back from living the life you really want? In a yes. dynamic, compelling, and aha-filled journey, stop doing that shit helps you connect the dots of your stuff all the way from your past to your present. You'll make sense of yourself as you right. uncover how to interrupt those destructive cycles of yours and make the kind of power, uh, profound, excuse me, shift needed to get your life on track. I like this, Gary. What, what should we do? I want to get my life on track. Right. Well, I think for the most part, you know, the, everything I'd ever understood about self-sabotage didn't make any sense to me. It just seemed like it, I just kind of threw my arms up in the air with like, well, you know, I want to save money, but I'm spending too much. Or I want to lose a bit of weight, but, you know, I can't stay away from the pizza. Right. And it wasn't until I started to kind of reverse engineer it, I started to start with, well, what if that's the point? What if the point is that I don't get out of this cycle? What if I'm supposed to be stuck in this cycle? And that, and that really sent me on this kind of pathway of, of starting to research, like how our subconscious works and what it does and why it does. And, and in the book, um, I really want people to uncover their own kind of subconscious drivenness, like where it's actually taking them and why you're supposed to struggle with that. So that's the first part. It's kind of uncovering the, the, the stuff that I'm talking about in the title of the book is the stuff that you've never really uncovered. It's stop doing that stuff. It's not the surfacey stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then it, and then at the end of the book, I actually say, well, you know, look, and I'm not going to give the whole end of that way, right? Because <laughs> but anyway, um, works, man. Yeah. <laughs> right, I know. I'll leave you a bit of a mystery here, um, but for the most part, um, we most of our self sabotage is rooted in our past. It's old programming, old thoughts, old behaviors. And um, it kind of keeps us tied to it. We're always trying to kind of overcome it in one way or another. And so I'm, I, I want people to start to look to the future, to start to look ahead to themselves, start to say, well, what if my life in the future was actually starting to happen now? What if I started to act on those things and populate my life with the kind of future I'm after rather than this kind of, you know, work, 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 trying to be better than I've been before. What if it was a case of just revealing myself and constantly going for new things and expanding myself? I think it's a wonderful idea. And by the way, Gary, I should point out, uh, Gary John Bishop, our special guest, <laughs> stop doing that shit and self-sabotage and demand your life back. As soon as you started talking, I looked at my <laughs> lovely wife, and she's nodding her head at me, and then she starts pointing at me, Gary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I everybody, can't tell you everybody, what's on mind, but I've got a good idea. Yeah, I think everybody definitely you know, lives in the past to some extent, or is damaged by their past, or whatever, or yeah. uses their past as an excuse. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that whole yeah, right. time. I mean, I, I love you, but you take it to an art form. What are you talking about? Your past that you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What? You know, yeah. okay, it's you, like a storytelling. Yeah, the whole thing for you. I've kind of yeah, made a, right a living there. out of that. I don't know if you know that. All three of my family members, Gary, thanks to you, Gary John Bishop, my, uh, yeah, my wife, our I'll do. son. I can, I'll, like, I stir shit up. That's kind of what I do. <laughs> yes, you do, Gary. I'm ready to. So I'm, I'm ready to take the punch here no, uh, from mean, the family and Gary John Bishop. I, I love what he's saying because you know the old adages of you know you the past is over. Tomorrow, you don't know what the t is tomorrow. Today's the right. only day you've got. Mm -hmm. But I think that uh, if I'm hearing you correctly, and forgive me if I'm wrong, I, the fear of doing things differently is what keeps people stuck. Right. I, I, often that's kind of like the first one we come up with. It, there's something to do with the fear, okay? And, and there is a degree of accuracy to that, okay? But uh, fundamentally, as human beings, we're addicted to the certain. Mm -hmm. Even if the certain's bullshit. <laughs> so I like that. it's true. I agree. Okay, yeah, he's got a lot of work ahead. There. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. We, 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 <laughs> we'll actually sit in the swamp of that stuff rather than deal with who we need to become to strike a blow for something greater. And so we, those excuses that we're coming up with, they don't seem like excuses to us. They seem like, you know, real and relevant and they're tangible and they need to be taken into consideration. But to everybody who's listening to you talk, they just think you're full of shit. <laughs> I suppose. You know, that's how I've made my living my entire life, Gary. Just being full of it. That It's worked very, very well for me. I, you know, I do understand that. But, you know, one of the weird things is that, you know, I, I grew up a, a very poor uh, kid. Uh, my father was institutionalized when I was 10. My mother raised seven kids pretty much by herself. Yeah. You know, and I am stuck in that. I yeah. do understand how miserable that was, and uh, yeah. it does bother me. All right. Well, I'm going to give you something here, uh, like a counterintuitive approach to okay. it. Okay. All right. You get you get something out of, of persisting with a story. See, in that, in that story, you're the hero. Like, you overcome it. Okay. I, uh, but, don't look but, at me like now. My wife's staring at me. I again, love Gary. this man. This is your fault, Gary. I'm blaming you. Right. 
right. But I, I just want you to know, like, I'm good at this shit. I just, you know, anyway. So, uh, <laughs> so, so you get to, you get to, you get to persist in that story because you get to overcome it and you get to, you know, yeah. kind of at, at one level prove to yourself what you've overcome. Okay. Yes. The problem with it is you never really have the future of your dreams. You've always got one foot nailed to the floor. It's only a victory over that past. So it's just perpetually kind of proving the validity of that past for those little bits of victory that you manage to get, but they never quite leave you fulfilled. Like, I guarantee you, and I know this for sure, only having listened to you for a few minutes, there are elements of your life that you know there's a lot more capability there for you. Like, you know there's more to you. There's more to you to give, more to you to express, more for you to impact, and yet somehow you can't get through there. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. It actually uh-huh. is your addiction to your own past. No, I, I do agree with that. I understand exactly what you're talking about, but it, you kind of try to rationalize it. Now, look, I know I'm a very, very lucky man. I'm, I'm married to a wonderful woman. We have a great son. We have a great daughter. I have wonderful friends, people I work with. Yeah. I mean, I have a great yeah. career. All those, yeah. There are plenty of good things about it, but I, yeah, I do always, uh-huh. particularly when I wake up in the morning, I'm always thinking about what used to be. Right. Right. And that's, and that's because, as I said, at some level, you get something out of it. Yeah. It's, it's, not, it's not an affliction you've got. Good. Right? You're not, you're, there's nothing wrong with you. You're not broken or something. You're not a freaking chair, you know? Um, what, you, what you really need to understand is anytime there's a past that continues to play in your life, it keeps playing out, or keep, you find yourself too occupied by it, you got to really consider the idea, right? Consider the idea that that's happening because it allows you to keep living a certain way. It allows you to keep being a certain way. It allows you to keep yourself attached to something that, that, that kind of gets you to avoid the alternative. What's the alternative? I don't know, maybe something even greater, something even more expansive, something you could impact, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, who knows, millions of people, yet you get to stay in this little swamp of whatever it is you've built for yourself. And, and by the way, I'm saying that you're not alone in that. There's a lot of people doing right. that and a lot of very successful people doing that. Yep. No, you're absolutely right about that. I, I, I just, um, it, what, what you're saying makes, makes total sense. Now, just, there are a few things about the book that, I, that I'm, I'm reading as we go along here. Uh, you'll make sense of yourself as you uncover how to interrupt those uh, destructive cycles of yours and make the kind of profound shift you needed to get your life back on track, which I, I agree with completely, by the way. I really do agree with that. Right. Uh, there are well, things that I uh, that right. I do and I go, God, I wish I wouldn't do it that way. I wish I'd learn a better way well, to do that. It sounds like it's like the root cause of a lot of people's depressions. Yeah, yeah I yeah. can see that. Yeah, well, we, you know, in the book, I talk about these things called conclusions that we all have. Right. And, and one of the conclusions that we all have is a personal conclusion. That is something you've concluded about yourself. And it's never good news. It's never, <laughs> I'm freaking awesome. I like that. Right. I like right. that. It's always something like, I'm not smart enough, or I'm different, or I'm not loved, or I don't fit in. It's always some kind of an internal criticism. But it never goes away. It kind of rises and it falls and it shows up and it goes away and then it comes back. And then so but it never you can never eradicate it. 
And that conclusion of yours gives you a foundation from which to live your life. It's, that's why you become addicted to it. Yeah, that makes sense, Gary. I, I, there's a question I've never I've never asked anybody this question, but I want to ask you. We're talking to Gary John Bishop about stop doing that shit and you can self-sabotage the man in your life back. I, I think I'm so mired in some of it that I go out of my way to help people and to, to, to have some value and all the rest of it. And the people take advantage of that right. all the time. Because I think they're going to, for once, they're uh-huh. going to be straight ahead and they're going to be good people. But every time people take yeah. advantage of it, it's just too bad. Really too All bad. Right. All right, good. And, and then when they do that, I'm going to ask you a question, okay? Yes. When they do that, what do you get to say to yourself about people? Um, I used to like them a lot more than I do now, I'll tell you that, Gary. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just... Yeah, I but did, it confirms something for you. Do what now? Excuse me, I missed that part. What did you say? Yeah, yeah. It confirms something for you when they do that. Oh, it does. Well, you know what? That's a very good point, Gary. You're 100% right about that because that's been my whole life. You're right about that. God, right. you're a smart guy. Yeah, I know. So... I know. Now listen. <laughs> and humble. And humble. Very humble. Oh, humble. Yeah, right. um, well, well, the, 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 the thing to consider here is, is that it's a setup. Really? So I'm setting the whole thing and up anyway. A, you're always setting people up to see them that way. Right, so you extend yourself with certain people mm-hmm. in situations where you might know you know that you shouldn't, and then they do what they do, and it confirms whatever it is you've concluded about people. So there's always this yeah. barrier between you and people, right? And I'm going to offer you something else. This definitely goes back to when you were a kid. So this is definitely like you being let down or taken advantage of. Exactly. That's very true, Gary. You're a smart uh-huh. guy. How, how, why are you yeah. so smart? That's uh-huh. what I want to know. <laughs> well, I, well, everybody's smart, you know. Yeah. It's just, what are you smart about? That's all. Okay, Gary, I have to close because we only got about 30 seconds. I want to close with a great uh, Gervon Scotland story. Okay, you ready? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, give me it. I'm down at Turnberry. We're playing some golf. And I'm a, I'm a pretty big guy, you know, pretty muscular at the time, broad-shouldered, the whole deal. And, you know, I got the deep voice and all that. So my wife asked me, will you take the kids? They were at the, at the time, they were like uh, 11 and 9, something like that. Would you take them to the kid part, the children's park down in Gervon? Uh, just let them play for a while. I said, yeah, absolutely, no problem. So as I'm walking up with my two kids, I see this man smoking a cigarette. And he's about a foot, at least a foot shorter than I am. I'm at least twice this guy's size, yeah. right? And he's scowling at me the yeah. whole time, right? He's scowling at me. Cause, and I, I pick up on the fact it's like, sir, because of jerks like you that I have to be here with my kids. So he's kind of mad at me because <laughs> I'm the guy that's bringing my kids because I do that. Then he has to do it. He's forced by his wife to do it. Makes sense. So I walk up on Make him, and he's smoking his cigarette, and he's scowling at me and scowling at me and scowling at me, and he's smoking a cigarette. And as I walk past him, I go, how you doing today, sir? And he says to me, none of your feckin' business. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Scotland. Welcome to Scotland. Gary John Bishop, the book is called Stop Doing That Shit and Self-Sabotage and Demand Your Life Back. Gary, you're a great guest. Thank you, sir. Awesome. Thanks for having me, everyone. Absolutely. Great talking to you. We'll be back with the Bye. Family.
Bye. Bye. It's Tom Bernard with North American Banking Company CEO and my buddy, Michael Bilski. Michael, let's say somebody has a plan to expand their business this year. How can North American Banking Company get that job done? At North American Banking Company, we'll take time to understand the customer's needs and wants and their plans for the future. Once we have a good understanding of that, we'll try to solve their financing dilemma. We won't take a cookie-cutter approach to any financing situation. Wonderful. So if I need cash to expand my podcast, you got a plan for me, too? No. (laughs) (laughs) God, thank you. I see where this is going. Well, we love working with you. We can help any business, including a podcast that's already very successful. Who's better than you? That's what I want to know. You I still are. never liked you, though. You are. No, I never. Don't try to make up. I don't. <laughs> Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and an equal housing lender? Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. Spring is here, and there's no better time to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses. Whiting Clinic is the place I trusted to do this for me, and it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology, and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts they are, they want to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. Call now for Whiting Clinic's $500 off LASIK spring savings. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contact lenses, then it's time you found out if you're a candidate for LASIK. And Whiting Clinic is definitely the place to go. Call 855-554-2020 today or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them I sent you and save 500 bucks on your LASIK. Offer expires June 21st, 2019. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offers. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're back. I loved our guests. Both of our guests so far today have been great. Norm's been wonderful. Gary's been wonderful. And they both had S-H-I-T in there. And they both had S-H-I-T in there. Can I spell it? Does that have to be? (laughs) I don't know. Maybe. I loved Gary's response when I told him the story about the man at the kiddie park. Welcome Welcome to to Scotland. Scotland. Mm, I know. It's so true. Oh, my people. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, a little news, a little information. Oh, I have to clear oh, something up. Oh, what's that? Yesterday, I think it was, I said that there was a story in about Scottish tax dri- taxi drivers. Yeah. About the guy that. Oh yeah. Was, yeah, he was molesting people, women, yep, yep, yep. and yeah. they said that he just couldn't have passengers in the front seat then? Yeah, that's yeah. correct. It's actually Ireland. It was Ireland, yeah. Sorry. It was Ireland. It was Ireland. Scotland, Scotland Ireland, Scottish what the hell's people. a difference? That's a big know. difference. <laughs> the Just British the Isles people. or something. I don't know. With summer just around the corner, a new survey revealed that just over half of Americans knowingly contribute to swimming pools becoming oh, dirtier. Oh, I don't want to know this. 51%. The survey conducted by Saks Media Group found that specifically 51% of people reported using public swimming pools to take a bath. 51%. What, what do you mean a bath? Like it was soap and shampoo? It says they take they use them as communal bathtubs. The people who participated in the survey reported they use the pools as a substitute for showering or as well as cleaning off after working out. Oh, so well, they'll just okay. like go for a just swim and No, it's still pretty They'll go for a swim instead of taking a shower. That's really nice. That's, that's, yeah, but that's not good for you. 
Because well, you still have the chlorine on your skin when you leave. No, I know, but uh, they're not saying like, yeah, soap and yeah, they're, they're bringing not, their loofah. Like my it's brother like using it as a substitute. Goes into the lake with soap and shampoo. Oh, does he really? A, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, in the swimming pool, <laughs> you, you got like face. I said, you got the ass juice that's coming out there. Oh, okay. Ass juice. You that's should exactly see a doctor if you have that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was There's a special pad for that. Yeah, I, I, you should seek medical attention. I'm trying to be a good uh, citizen. Your ass. Uh, <laughs> when dirt, sweat, personal care products, they do use personal care products. So there you go. Well, and other things on our bodies react with chlorine. There is less chlorine available to kill germs, said Dr. Chris Wyant, or W-I-N-T-A, Wyant. Chair of the Water Quality and Health Council in a press release. Rinsing off for just one minute removes most of the dirt, sweat, or anything else on your body. So they're saying, please rinse off in the shower before you go in the pool. Well, that's why that most pools have a sign. Please yeah. shower do, before yeah. entering well, it's like swimming fawn, pool. It's her swimming lessons. They do, yeah. the- pool is so chlorinated that your eyes oh, burn because yeah, it's good. just a bunch of kids. Oh, go to the Wisconsin Dell sometime. Oh, God, Your yeah, skin turns yeah. white it's with like chlorine. Yeah. Painful. Yeah. They're yeah. going to make sure there's no germs in there. Yeah. To make matters worse, the survey also found that 40% of Americans have urinated in a pool as an adult. Mm-hmm. The bottom line is don't pee in the pool, said Michelle Hlavsa. Chief of uh, CDC's Healthy Swimming Program. Well, and if you're going to, just don't take vitamin B first. Why? Because then it's very, very yellow. It is? Yeah. A very yellow pee from vitamin B? Oh, yes. Yes. Swimming is a great way to be physically active, and not peeing in the pool is a key healthy swimming step. Yeah. Don't pee in the pool. (laughs) Why would you pee? Kids pee in the pool. Yeah, kids pee in the pool. They always pee in the pool. I'm sorry. Yeah, Mm. but they don't like do it. The owner of the park, but he refused to shut down. This was inevitable. So this is all pee-related. Yes, I tested the pH levels this morning. And it was almost all pee. No pee. <laughs> <laughs> almost all pee. No pool water, just urine. Oh, God. Oh, we were at... We're just swimming in whiz. We were at a very swanky pool this last oh, yeah. summer and a little they shut yeah, down the mom pool and i bought it at costco yeah. wasn't that swanky they had to shut down the pool for two hours because a kid didn't even like swimming in the pool pee in it was standing next to the pool dropped trow and just started oh peeing God. into the pool, yeah. oh, that's, awesome. Yeah. that's why they call it a piscine <laughs> yeah that's nice oh that's great news Thanks, yeah any t- yeah I so they they had to Shut it down for two hours to treat it. And Dan, every single time the pool's shut down, he goes, Code Brown. <laughs> Code Brown. Like, oh my Code God, Brown. Donnie Edward Johnson declined to choose a special meal last uh, week, a special last meal. He will eat what the general prison population eats before his 7 p.m. execution tonight. Oh. But the convicted murderer is calling Cherry for his supporters to buy a meal for a homeless person. Oh, my God. Johnson's lawyer says he was inspired by Philip Workman, another Tennessee death row inmate, and someone Johnson calls a friend, who asked the state that the $20 the state allots for an inmate's last meal be used to send pizza to a local homeless shelter. Instead, it was not, but Workman supporters across country did send pizza to shelters. So the 68-year-old murdered his wife in 1984 by stuffing a 30-gallon trash bag down her throat. Oh my God! Holy God! Well, I'm glad he's gotten nicer to strangers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They choked his wife to death with a trash that's, bag. That's that's very speaking, yeah horrible. Speaking yeah. of strangers, there was a video yesterday yeah. I saw on Facebook. Um, 
some lady in, in Las Vegas on a city bus. Uh, I guess she was on the bus. She was being very rude to other riders and passengers and stuff mom. like that. And this yeah, elderly mom. man, I think he, they said he was like 70-something, said, you know, you need to be nicer to other people. Oh, she yeah. shoved him off the bus. She he did. landed, hit his head, and he died. And, and he now died, she's yeah. arrested for murder. Oh, my God. Yeah. They said he, he flew like 15 feet in the he, air. Well, she pushed him off the top step, and he, yeah. and he had like um, a, a metal cart with him, and yeah, he landed he on top of it, and he as soon as he hit the ground, he was out. Oh, my oh God. My God. Yeah. Killed him. She killed him. What was her problem? I have no idea. Apparently her Rage kids were issues? Her, her kids? Her kids were on the bus pissing her off, so she killed the guy. Well, that makes total sense. Severe, <laughs> yeah, no Severe rage issues. Oh, God, I'm in trouble. Yeah. No, 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 no. And she got charged? Yep, she wow. got charged with murder of, good. of a vulnerable elderly adult. That was good. That was well, so. How about just anybody? Well, I think, it, I, think they, I think they have to take it as that because the punishment might be different like she might get so longer i didn't think that older people were a protected class are they elderly people yeah. oh yeah they are i believe so and maybe in hmm. some states they are i did not know that you know so i yeah, don't know but they are in some states i'm glad actually. she's arrested now and yeah, yeah. yeah. lunatic we have our next guest our oh. next guest is ready now mm -hmm. okay we can certainly do that there's nothing wrong with that bernard fowler right yep um, yeah, okay. Bernard, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Tom? Doing extremely well. Bernard Fowler, ladies and gentlemen, promoting a new album out called Inside Out, Rhyme and Reason Records. The project features uh, deconstructed Rolling Stones songs during the Stones' 2015 Zip Code Tour. He riffed on a Stones song as a dramatically delivered spoken word performance, and the band liked it. He took that as a green light to record the album. Rolling Stones' backup vocalist and percussionist Bernard Fowler. He's been performing with them for over 20 years as their longtime backup vocalist and percussionist. Bernard, what a story this is. How did this all start? Man, well, it's actually over 30 years. Oh, it is? Okay. Yeah, and how it started was, uh, you know, it was just an idea that I had as I was finishing my last solo record, The Bora. And uh, I always think about what I'm going to do next, and I wanted to do something radically different from what I had previously done. And uh, what would be more radically than the spoken word? You know, I, I got to tell you something, Bernard. I love spoken word stuff. I do think that that we've gotten to a point now where everybody thinks they can be a rapper, and it's just not true. Rapping, now, I, I Bernard, I go all the way back to 1969 or 70, The Last Poets. Uh, you know about The Last Poets, Bernard? Do you know them? That's where I go back. I go back yeah. to The Last Poets. Gil Scott Heron, Nikki Giovanni, Amiri Baraka. You're that's the guy. I go back. Bernard, that's phenomenal. Most people I bring that up to, they have no idea what I'm even talking about. But yeah, Gil Scott Heron started out with The Last Poets. Uh, the one problem I do have, Bernard, is that being a Caucasian man, I can't sing, I can't rap one lyric that The Last <laughs> Poets went with, if you know what I'm saying. I can't say the name of any of their songs, as a matter of fact. Um, but I do remember listening. But you know what? Yes, sir. You know what? You don't. You don't. You don't have to. All no. you gotta no. do is recite the poetry. 
I'll do the music for you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to recite the poetry either because there's a, the big N is in there a few times, Bernard, as you know. Uh, so I won't be doing that. But I, yeah. I did find uh, there there are songs on that album, and Bernard, I, I'm I don't want to get too carried away, but I'm very excited to talk to somebody who knows who the last poets even are because most people go they have I, they have no idea what the hell I'm talking yeah. about. But they had uh, songs such as. Um, well, I'm just going to go with black people. I'm not going with the big end, Bernard. That's not happening. So they had a song, uh, several songs in the oh. album. There was Run, Black Person, Run. There was Black People Are Scared of Revolution, which was a brilliant, brilliant. You remember that song, uh, Scared of Revolution? Remember that, yeah, Bernard? I remember that. I remember. I also remember On the Subway. Oh, God. It's just, it's so you amazing. remember that one? Yes. On the Subway? I, I, the whole thing, it just, uh, it, I was riding along with a man named uh, Ed Harris. Ed was a, a very large black man, yeah. so I felt really, really safe with him playing that at full volume, driving this car, and here I am, a white guy sitting in the passenger seat. But <laughs> as long as Ed was there, I didn't care too much about it. It was fantastic. But yeah, it changed. The last poets do not get the credit for changing music. A lot of people think it was uh, the Sugar Hill Gang that did the first the first spoken word, the first rap song, but no, I mean, Last Poets were many, many years before that. Great. It was great music. I loved it. That's right. That's, that's right. Way before the Sugar Hill Gang. So, Bernard, you, now you, so you played with the Rolling Stones, you said over 30 years. Is that correct? I've been, uh, I've been singing with the Rolling Stones on and off for over 30 years. Wow, that is one. And then you you must love it, otherwise you wouldn't still be doing it. it. It what is that like to walk out on stage, and all of those people just adore you guys? I mean, it's just that that must be a very special feeling. There's no feeling like it, and you know, still to this day, when uh, right before we walk onto the, walk onto stage, I am super nervous. I'm nervous, and my my adrenaline is rushed through my body, and it's not until I walk out on stage and sing that first note that everything starts to settle. Yeah, I could see that. Once you start singing, it changes everything, doesn't it? it now, now um, the Rolling Stones, yeah. first, first of all, the Rolling Stones, out of maybe any rock group in the history of rock and roll, use backing vocals in such a special way. They do. I mean, I keep thinking about Gimme Shelter, that one of the most beautiful jobs of background singing in history, and I believe that young lady did it wearing curlers in her hair at 2 o'clock in the morning when they recorded that song. What a great, great job. The, Stone, the Stones brought a lot of people forward, didn't they? Yeah, they did. You know, there was, uh, you know, Ian McClagan... Billy Preston. Yeah. There's, there's, there's quite a few people that, you know, have spent time with the Rolling Stones and went off to have their own uh, solo career. And uh, uh, Gimme Shelter, you mentioned. Uh, Gimme Shelter, the live version that, you know, people, uh, the first version was done by Mary Clayton. Oh, mm-hmm. God, she recorded was wonderful. Mary and then... The live performance that people remember is Lisa Fisher. Oh, yes. Yeah, okay. Now, Bernard, I must tell you, I can sing a little bit, but I can't hit those notes. (laughs) I'm guaranteeing you that. 
Uh, it's just wonderful stuff. Well, come on, man. Give, give, give me some notes. Give me some notes. <laughs> we got six other people in this room to go, and please don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. Please don't have them do that. That's just not going to work for us. But uh, you know, it's so great to talk okay, to somebody. Don't worry. I'm not going to put you on the spot. I won't put well, thank you on you. the spot. Don't worry about it. Thank you, Mr. Fowler. I, it's nice to talk to someone who's, who's experienced music in a, a completely different way. Uh, a new album out is called Inside Out. Tell me about Inside Out. What's it all about, Bernard? The Inside Out is a it's a reconstruction, or as some people say, deconstruction of Rolling Stone songs. And um, I did not want to do any Rolling Stone songs that most people are familiar with. Mm-hmm. So I went into the catalog. And the uh, criteria was a strong lyric content. And I was able to find stuff in the songbook that, you know, when you, when you read it, it was, it's just as strong now as it was when they wrote it. That is wonderful. Bernard, I need to take a very quick break. You got to, can you stay with us after about a two-minute break? Would that work for you? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Go and do your thing. All right, we'll be right back with Bernard Fowler. The album's called Inside Out Rhyme and Reason Records. Right back with Bernard Fowler in just a couple of minutes with the family. What are the things you want to avoid when it comes time to sell your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl. If you're like most people, it's things like open houses, staging, decluttering, repairs, maintenance, and all the people coming through your house. Hey, Tom, the Guaranteed Offer Program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate was created for people like you so that you can avoid the things that you don't like doing when it comes time to sell your home. We have been presenting offers for homes in most price ranges. Homeowners are loving our guaranteed offer program, especially how much money they are making on their home sale without the inconveniences. So this program is for all price ranges and conditions, including perfectly maintained homes? Most homes do qualify. To see if your home qualifies, go to chrislindahl.com and click Get Offer right now. Will you be the next homeowner to accept an offer from our guaranteed offer program? Find out now. If you qualify, you will get an offer in 48 hours or less, and the best part is you get to pick a closing date that is convenient for you and close in as little as three weeks. Go to chrislindahl.com right now to see if you qualify or call 763-401-SOLD. That is 763-401-SOLD. Tom here. You've heard me talking about how I've lost 92.5 pounds in less than five months thanks to the Nutramost Wellness Plan. Nutramost uses breakthrough technology that customizes the plan, giving you the tools to lose weight and keep it off. One of the many reasons that it works is that you eat real food the entire time. So after you hit your goal, you'll know exactly what to order at restaurants and what to buy at the grocery store. This doesn't happen with a diet plan where you drink shakes, eat prepackaged foods, or take drugs. Find out how and why Nutramost is unlike any other weight loss plan by scheduling your immediate consultation or attending the Nutramost free dinner at 6.30 p.m. on Monday, May 6th at Jake's in Plymouth. I'll see you there. Nutramost guarantees that you lose 20 pounds or more. Nutramost helped me change my life, and they can help you too. Register for the Nutramost Dinner or schedule your immediate consultation. Call 763-333-7337. That is 763-333-7337. Oh, look at you. There's Cassie playing the music. Now we're talking. Our special guest today, Bernard Fowler, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, promoting a new album out. It's called Inside Out. We're going to talk to Bernard about that now. So, so Inside Out. When, when did the work on Inside Out start, Bernard? Mm. Bernard. Bernard Fowler. 
Did we lose Bernard? Nope. Yeah. Oh, there he is. There he is. Hey, Bernard. Bernie. Yeah. Big Bernard, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, we're doing well. We just came back, and I, I wanted to talk to you about Inside Out. When, when did the work start on Inside Out, Bernard? The work started on Inside Out as I was finishing up my last solo record. And then how? That's, that's when the work, the work started. And how long ago was that? Uh, that was about that was about two years ago. Two years ago, I did an album called The Bura. Are you playing at the Gunsmoke Saloon? Uh, Sounds like you play the piano. That's my that's my last singing record. Oh, your last singing record, right? So tell what was the project Inside Out. Uh, you talked about deconstructing Rolling Stone songs, but you also talked to us, Bernard, about the fact that you didn't want to do some of their more more popular songs. Uh, did you go all the way back to, like, Out of Our Heads? I mean, all of that stuff? Yeah. Well, you know, I didn't want to do the stuff that, that most people were familiar with. So, like I said, I had to go into the catalog, and, and, and I went into the songbook the Rolling Stone song book, volume one and volume two. And as I'm reading through it, I see I'm reading lyrics that, that have a really strong content, and that's how I chose the song. Uh, a lot of the songs are, uh, like maybe four of the songs come from the album uh, Undercover of the Night. Mm-hmm. But that was not a plan. It was just as I was reading and I saw strong lyrics and I took them. So now what, what are the names of some of the songs that you do on Inside Out? Uh, well, tie, I think the record opens with a song called Tie You Up. And unless you're a real Rolling Stones fan, you will not know that song. So there's Tie You Up, there's... Um, Sympathy for the Devil, as you know, but mm-hmm. the only reason why I re- I did Sympathy for the Devil was because I ran out of time because I had to go on the road, and I ran out of money. I did this record on my own dime. There was no record company involved oh, when really? I started the recording. Okay. Yeah, so there's those two songs, and there's uh, Undercover of the Night, which is probably one of my favorites. And there's a uh, dancing with Mr. D. Oh, I love Sympathy. that. Um, uh, dancing with Mr. D. Sister Morphine. Uh, time waits for no one. Um, all the way down. God, those are great. See, those are great songs. Do most people not know those songs? I, uh, I don't think most people know those songs. That's why I did them. Yeah, well, that makes total sense. I, you, you, I, look, I've been around, I was in a band when I was 11 years old, and I've been around music, whether in a band or in radio, or I worked at Capitol Records for a while. I've been around music my whole life, so maybe that's why I do know those songs. And uh, Yeah, I, I, you're probably right. Most people would not even not even know those songs. Uh, I think it's wonderful. So, did, and, you, and you know, the funny thing, the funny thing about these songs is, even if you are a Rolling Stone fan, mm-hmm. if you if you didn't know what I did, and 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 someone played you my version of those songs, you would not recognize them. 
I could see that. Yeah, that would make sense. So you, did you produce the whole album by yourself? You recorded it, you produced it, you did the whole the whole work yourself, all the work yourself? I did. I did everything myself. And now, will you... Now, Rhyme and Reason Records, do, do, they, have, do they have reps that go out? I, I mean, they, they're going to go out and talk to radio stations and, and uh, about getting airplay and the whole deal? Yeah, they're doing that. Um, you know, that's how... That's Well, you know, it's Rhyme and Reason Records. I, I, I really I have to take my hat off to them because... Okay. I'd been shopping this record. I, I thought the record should be on a jazz label. I, I thought initially it should go on Blue Note. And I, and I called out the Blue Note, and I could not get a... I couldn't get a call back. Really? Sony Records. I called them. I could not get a call back. And then a good friend of mine said, you know what, Bernard, check out Rhyme and Reason. So I sent, I sent the record to Rhyme and Reason, and they called back immediately, and they said, this is incredible. We have to do this record. And, and with that, that kind of enthusiasm, I was, I was on board. Yeah, that makes total. Why do you think? I mean, you would think that that doing this kind of an album, Inside Out, based on the Rolling Stones music, yeah, songs that maybe people don't know, but that'd be another reason to me to buy the album because, like, hey, I never maybe I never heard that song. I'd love to hear this situation. It kind of surprised me that the yeah, because the Rolling Stones, from what I'm reading right here, it's a, he riffed on a Stones song as a dramatically delivered spoken word performance, and the band liked it. Well, if the band liked it, I'm surprised that Stoney and those people in Blue Note wouldn't call you back. So was I. <laughs> there you go, Bernard. I was real. I was. I was. I was really surprised, especially and not just because of what the project. Well, because of what the project is I, I was surprised they didn't call back and because of the amount of talent that i was able to gather to you know to to help me make this record happen uh, uh you know i got daryl jones playing bass you know daryl jones mm-hmm. is the rolling stone bass right there's daryl jones there's uh vince wilbur walfredo reyes jr Lenny Castro, my buddy from New York, Steve Jordan, you know, who produced, you know, Keith's last two albums, Uh, Michael Bearden, Mike Garson, who played piano with David Bowie for 40 years, Mm -hmm. you know, Tim Reese, who's part of the Rolling Stones band, and Keon Harrow, who plays trumpet, and he... He played trumpet on uh, on the uh, Don Cheadle Miles Davis movie. Uh, so all the trumpet work that that is not Miles Davis, that's Keon Harrow, and I was lucky enough to have him per- participate on this record. That is amazing. You know, I got to tell you something. We only have about a minute left, but I got to tell you, Bernard. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yes, sir. I got to say this. Yeah, absolutely. And when you and when you need a funky guitar. Who are you going to call? Oh, 
Ray, Ray Parker. Parker yeah. <laughs> Ray Parker Jr. I'm going to call Ray Parker Jr. Absolutely. He's been on this show. Yeah, Ray. Ray's a great guy. Really, really good guy. Or Nile Rodgers, one of the Nile same. Rogers, yeah. Yeah, Nile Rodgers as well. Bernard, I, I tell you, I didn't, you know, the the uh, the bio they sent over and the descriptor of, of your album, I did not read the bottom. The, the third paragraph at the bottom talks about the last poet, so I didn't even know that was on there when I brought it up to you, Bernard. But now, and I said, the influence of the visionary 60s photo, uh, proto rap group, Last Poet Shines Brightly on Tie You Up. I didn't even know that was part of the descriptor. I just, I was talking to you, I was like, man, this, this reminds me a lot about what the last poets tried to do in the 60s. So what a nice surprise that was to look at the rest of the, uh, the rest of the bio and the descriptor and see the last poets absolutely mentioned. So uh, I just, man, it's working. It worked for me, Bernard, I'll tell you what, because I thought of the last poets immediately. That's very cool. No, that, 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 that's a beautiful thing because when I, I told Mick that I was going to do this record, mm-hmm. and, he and, and, he, and he and I, we, we had a conversation about the last poet. And when I'm, I'm, I'm like, when did you see the last poet? He said, well, he was in, he was in London when he saw last poet. And the, the coolest thing about the story that he was telling me was that he was at a party in London and whoever the person was that had this party sent the la- flew the last poet to London to perform at a house party. Wow. <laughs> Man. I hope they like the F-bomb. Imagine and that at that time. At that time, the last poet going to someone's house for a house party to perform. That is amazing. What a what a hell of a story. It's incredible. Bernard Fowler, ladies and gentlemen, the album's called Inside Out. Bernard, great talking to you, sir. Uh, not many people I can talk to about the last poet, so it was a great thrill for me. Thank you, sir. Well, you know what? You and I can we can turn them on to some new stuff. Yeah, absolutely, and you'll get that done. Bernard Fowler, thank you for your time today, sir. We'll talk soon, I hope. Thank you very much. If you see me in the street, stop me and say hello. (laughs) I'll get that done, Bernard. You do the same. Have a good day. day. All right, you guys, take care. God, what a coincidence. Good day to you, you, (laughs) sir. Um, I had no idea that because the descriptor you, you get like the first few paragraphs sure. on here and then I scroll down and he talks a lot about the last poets at the very bottom of I, it but I didn't even know that his career is just astonishing it really is yeah absolutely yeah he talks a lot about the last po- I, but it just what he was talking about doing I thought man that sounds a lot like what the last poets tried to do in the 1960s Gil Scott Heron I mean you talk about a really really talented musician and Luciano, Felipe Luciano was in that group, and it was amazing, amazing stuff. But again, I can't recite any of their lyrics because the big N isn't about yeah. 99% of them. So not a not a wise choice, if you know what I'm saying. What a nice guy, Bernard Fowler. Very what, nice guy. He really reminded me of a little bit of a Bob Elliott skit. The slow, yeah. slow talkers of America. Yeah, Bob Elliott. <laughs> God. He was unbelievable. He's a laid-back guy. He is. What a nice man, though. Two, welcome to slow <laughs> talkers of 
But can you, America. Can you imagine what he's seen in 30 years with the stones? Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. No, God. <laughs> I don't really understand Sony and Blue Note not calling him back, though. That makes no sense to me. I mean, you would think guys well, in record you know, business maybe they know only have a 30-second thing on the answering machine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bernard, yeah, you get it all. He might be uh, not be able to get the whole message in New Yorker. There. He does. Yeah, hell of a what a nice man though. I just I was very very impressed with him. Yeah, that's quite a career. He just uh, that is quite a career. But yeah, I mean, if you're at Sony and you don't call back. One of the well, members of the Rolling Stones do, band. Do know that most of the Sony executives are now twenty. You know. Well, they that's don't know true. Anything about anything? <laughs> that, that has changed a lot. There's Sorry. no doubt about that. They, like, uh, Bernard, who? Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, when I worked the at Capitol Stones, Records, what? When I worked at Capitol Records, the head of A and R there was Bobby Columbia, and Bobby and I spent a lot of time together. Bobby Columbia was a drummer for Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Mm-hmm. So those guys, good basketball player too. He's played was basketball. Really? Yeah, Bobby's a really good basketball player. But he's the one who discovered, like, Billy Squire. You know, and that I remember I got in his car. We were in, in uh, Palm Springs for a, a convention. And he goes, hey, Tommy, let's go, play, let's go play some basketball. I said, okay. So we get in the car, and he goes, like oh, I want to play something for it. No, actually, we're, we, we got, there were two teams of five guys. Oh, there were ten okay. guys playing. But uh, I didn't really care for the fact that the Italian guys all were shirtless. Uh, you know, the, you get the hairy back oh, with yeah. the beating up on it. Yeah, that's, really, a, yeah. that's a defensive technique. <laughs> yeah, that's a defensive technique, Gold exactly. Chains. But yeah, he said, I'm going to play something for a year. I ain't going to believe this. And he played the stroke for me in his car. Man, I'll never guess it. That thing is going to be a huge hit. Bobby Columbia, you know, discovered Billy Squire. I believe he discovered the knack. He was really good oh, at really? that job. Oh, wow. he's really good at that job. I, I made a bet with Cliff Siegel, who's now Lauren Siegel, when the knack came out. My Sharona, I said, that album will be double platinum within 90 days. He goes, no, it won't. See, I, was, I, I, I would double platinum in about two weeks. I would be the worst <laughs> A&R guy in the world. Oh, you I would? just totally underestimated some. Well, I saw well. the police on their first tour. I think they were playing at the Longhorn on 5th and Hell. Right, sure. The Longhorn. And um, uh, Roxanne had just come out, and I saw them, and I thought they were, well, the drummer's really good. Yeah. Probably a one-hit wonder, though. Mm. Well, yeah. I mean, 50 million record sales later, you know, I think we're going to break up the band. In yeah. your defense, though, Roxanne is not the kind of thing that, you, that leads you to go, oh, they have a lot of Well, but I, I love Stuart Copeland's drumming. Yeah, and I didn't yeah. even know who he was because I, right, I always, right. about the mid 70s, I got into reggae, and, and he basically plays reggae and cut time. I mean, he's so phenomenal. So I like that song right away, but I thought, yeah, they, you know, it's kind of a novelty thing. They're probably probably can't write i remember that Oops. i can't remember who was on stage either but i was at the longhorn back when people used to pogo oh god i hated that so much and this guy kept banging into me and i said seriously sir it's either your decision or mine you're gonna stop pogoing i'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad like, that's bang, not being a thing bang, bang oh god it was horrible we need to take a break be right back and car selling secrets up next what do you got pat do a little we, promo we got a lot of stuff to talk about we've been off the air it's really been tough we you've had been a disaster. weather we've been it's kicked everything. out we've been <laughs> downtrodden <laughs> we've been downtrodden. where have you been downtrodden <laughs> have, right, i just want to make sure i want to make sure you know the, now you studio line is still what 952-800-1492 yeah. yes right? sir so please call in with questions comments and or criticisms it's a great idea we'll be back in just a couple of minutes car selling secrets up next